Let's give the Lord another hand. Thank God for all that he's done and given to us. Well, let's make this confession. The word of God is true. If I live the word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. You may be seated. Pastor Pam will be back tomorrow night. Glory to God. I am excited. I've told people, I've told the first service, I knew how much I loved her, just didn't know how much I was going to miss her. But it has been a a long time. She's been gone three weeks, but they are finishing up. Well, right now, oh, it's almost midnight. They're in bed uh, in Manila, but they finished up three uh, meetings uh, today in the church there in Manila, and then uh, they'll be flying out early tomorrow morning for Tokyo, and then in Tokyo, they'll uh, switch planes and come on into America. They are both, because of the tremendous amount of miles that they have had, they are both eligible to upgrade to business. If you have ever flown business, you know you are totally spoiled from ever being back in the back. So uh, they have not had their upgrade approved yet based on the number of seats that are available. So let's just pray and be in agreement that they'll be in business. Father, we pray for Pastor Sharon and for Pastor Pam, and we thank you, Lord, that that upgrade that has already been approved, that there are going to be two seats, the right two seats for them to fly that business all the way back to uh, from Tokyo to uh, Dallas. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. And we're the the word of the Lord today. We had a great first service, and and uh, it, it's God's peace plan, and God has a peace plan for the world, and we're going to talk about it today. You know, we can look at the world situation like it is, and everything that's going on around the world, and. There have been a lot of peace plans over the years. North Korea, South Korea, they had a peace plan, the 38th parallel. North uh, Sudan, South Sudan, they had war, and then they had a peace plan, and then they had peace in the South Sudan, and then two tribal factions begin to fight, and now they've just signed a a peace plan again. And, and, And nations get up and have a lot of peace plans, but there's one peace plan that was made for the world, and it was for the Prince of Peace to bring peace, and that's Isaiah 9-6, into this world. And that God wants all of us to be at peace and at rest. And I don't know about you, but I think I know about you, but there have been times in my life when I have had tremendous amount of peace, and I loved it, and there have been times when I've had anything but peace, and I've hated it. I've been with peace, I've been without peace, and how many of you can say amen? It's far better to be with peace. Yeah, you say amen to that, brother. It, it is. And Pam uh, and I have tried to be talking uh, via Skype and texting on a regular basis, and when she got to Manila, she uh, she called me. She said, "Oh, honey, you you got to see this hotel." She said, "It is it is five star plus. It's a twenty floor uh, high rise." And and I looked it up on the internet. It's just gorgeous. And uh, on the uh, top floor, they have a special place for people to eat that are on the nineteenth and the twentieth floor swimming pool. And it it it's it's really classy. And uh, and uh, she and that's where they this 
church had put them. I don't know how many of you know this or not, but when Pam got the call, and uh, they, they went to Australia and ministered in Australia for about a week in a couple of different churches, Perth, Sydney, then flew on into Manila and have ministered a couple of churches there. When the call came and, and, and the lady, at Pastor Sharon, asked if Pam would, would like to accompany her, uh, and, you know, would she just pray about it? And she said, and by the way, all expenses are paid. How, how many of you realize you don't have to pray quite as long uh, <laughs> when you hear that? And uh, so it's just a trip of, of a lifetime. I'm so happy for her. But when she called me, she said, she said, there's only one challenge in this hotel. And I said, what's that? She said, well, Sharon's on the 20th floor and I'm on the 19th and we'd like to be on the same floor. And I said, well, that'll, that'll work itself out. And she said, well, there's another challenge. And I said, what's that? She said, uh, my, I have a corner room on the 19th floor and the windows are from ceiling to floor all the way doubled up. And she said, it's a beautiful view of the city. But she said, I flipped on the TV set. And they were talking about how they're doing this special on the fault line that runs through Manila and that they have earthquakes over there. And she said, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And I'm trying not to think about the earthquakes and I'm trying not to think about the glass. And I said, you're thinking that if the earthquake comes, you're going to fall right out the glass and go 19th floor. She said, I'm trying not to think that. <laughs> so, and she said, would you pray and be in agreement with me? How many of you realize fear is real? You know, we can't act like it's not there. It's really, we just have to combat it and, and we keep our mind peaceful. But by the same token, uh, you know, we, we have to make sure that we allow peace to rule and never fear anxiety or any of those things. So we prayed and, uh, and, and we bound that fear and she was going to have a good night. And I said after the fact, which I didn't really need to, but, you know, it's probably a good idea not to be watching an earthquake special uh, in a fault zone on the 19th floor of a hotel just before you go to bed. But that's another, that's for another chapter. But but anyway, uh, so that took care of everything. However, the next day she changed rooms. <laughs> and she got up on the 20th floor with Sharon with a, a middle room without the... Uh, how many of you have ever been in a hotel where you've had wall-to-wall glass? If you're up high, it's really... It, I don't know what that illusion is, but it's like you're going to fall or something like that. But anyway... She's doing extremely well. But for all of you visitors that are here, uh, did we announce this? In the first service, I just felt to give them. This is a series that Pam did, Follow the Pattern. And uh, it's a great series on how you have a pattern that God made for you. And all of you visitors, we want to give one to you right after the service so you can pick it up there. But we have a peace that surpasses all understanding, and that that peace is the peace that is given to us by Almighty God. And in Isaiah, let me see the hands of all the people, you would say that there are some things in your life, when they come, they really trouble you, and they really seem to steal your peace. Can I see your hands? Now, what we have to do is fortify ourselves in that arena and in that area. And I'll paraphrase a lot of this, and then we're going to talk about it scripturally. But when you opened your heart to receive Jesus, your spirit man came alive. You no longer just had your soulish realm and your flesh. Your spirit man came alive. The Holy Spirit came in. Your body became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of peace is in you right now. You have God's peace 
inside you. The warfare and the battle takes place as to which one is going to consume our mind. Are we going to allow the peace of God to consume our mind? Are we going to allow what we see with our natural eyes to consume our mind? And every single one of us face situations and circumstances where we have to fight that fight of faith as to what we're going to believe, what we're going to pray for, what we're going to release in our body. And wherever you go, you can bring the peace of God. God's divine plan was this. Jesus would come. He would come into our hearts. He would forgive us of sin. He would bring the Holy Spirit. When he left, that Holy Spirit would remain and that the Holy Spirit that birthed you alive unto righteousness would be in you and that the fruit of that Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself, would flow out of you everywhere that you go. And one of the most important fruits of the nine fruits is peace, that you are called by God to be a peacemaker Everywhere you go on this earth, no peace agreement between people uh, has ever lasted very long. Uh, a peace agreements are fine to have, but the most important thing is to have peace with God and then to have peace with one another. And when you have that and you understand how to do it and how to keep it, then you can walk in the fullness of what God has. Isaiah 26, 3 says that there will be perfect peace for every person who fixes their mind upon the Lord or who stays their mind upon the Lord. Let me see the hands of all the people that your mind is free to think with or without you. Every hand should be up. About half of them are up. You can raise your hand. Your mind will think with or without you. You can tell your mind what to think and you will think it or your mind will think all by itself. Circumstances, situations will develop in your life and your mind will think about that thing or you can tell your mind what to think. We can appropriate the Word of God and let the peace of God flow, or we can look at the situation circumstance in the natural realm, which we don't need to look at, and then we have a problem. How many of you would say that in the world today, there is a serious problem? In all you got to do is watch the news. I watch the news. I'm, you know, I, I'm a news junkie. I probably watch too much news. My wife would say, remove the probably. She, she would say, you, you watch too much news. But sometimes it does frustrate me, and I realize I need to get a grip, and I need to pull back here and bring all of this under the covering of the Lord. God told us what was going to happen. God told us all this was going to happen. So it's not like, oh, my goodness, it's happening. No, no, it, it, it's going to happen. It's actually going to happen. However, we have the victory. Tell your neighbor, we have the victory. That's why the Word of God says that we have the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always bounding in the work of the Lord. doesn't matter what you see around you. We are walking in the victory. Right now, when you look in the Middle East and you look at uh, the last report I heard was that there are between 800,000 and a million people, refugees, fleeing out of Turkey and other nations there in that Middle East where ISIS and other organizations are, demonically possessed organizations, and they're fleeing and trying to get into Europe. And now here's Europe. They, they got a problem because they can't let all these people in because, number one, they don't know who they are. They don't know whether they're good guys, bad guys, terrorists, not terrorists, or whatever. So they're putting up barbed wire all over that area, especially in Turkey, trying to keep them not necessarily out, but a funnel zone so that they can check them as they come in. 
Some of these reports are, are horrible. I mean, babies, young children washing up ashore that have drowned in these boats that they're coming across some of these lakes in and everything. And, and then you look at the situation and just everywhere in the world, it wouldn't take too long to get depressed if we didn't know that tribulation was going to be breaking forth all across the world and that it was one of the precursors of the end time. And that's why Jesus said, be of good cheer, be of peace. I have overcome the world that we are not of this world. We are royal ambassadors on this earth representing a kingdom that is not of this earth. And that if you understand how this works, and I know some of you do, the, the, the royal ambassador from the South Sudan to the United States comes to the United States not to represent the United States. He comes to represent the best interests of the South Sudan. Every ambassador comes in of another authority structure, not actually under that nation's laws, really, they have immunity, but they are there to represent a different nation. We are royal ambassadors representing the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Can you say amen to that? We have been equipped with diplomatic papers. We have a born-again, on-fire, Holy Ghost inside us that gives us the ability to walk above everything that's on this earth and that God knows what's about to happen. But He's going to lead and guide us by the Holy Spirit. Dan, that was powerful, what you shared today about, uh, about the, with the kids. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was thinking about a joke I heard. I don't, it was really funny, but that was really a powerful word of watching the Holy Spirit move like that. But these two boys were in Sunday school class, real young. They were brothers. They got in a fight over a cookie. And uh, there's only one cookie left, and they were fighting over this cookie. And the Sunday school teacher said, wait a minute, what would Jesus do? I said, well, Jesus would probably give the cookie to the other one. And she said to the two little boys, said, do you agree? Say, yeah, we agree. So the one brother turned to the other one and said, you be Jesus today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting the cookie. You can be Jesus. (laughs) But, But what happens is we get to the point when our focus is going to be determined whether or not we're going to be able to use by God with this peace. And I want to share this story to you that when, when I went to Tulsa, I didn't know much at all. And I still don't know a whole lot, but I know a lot more than I knew then. And I'm still learning as we all are. But when I went out there, I would continually hear the Lord say to me, you are called to be a peacemaker. And I thought, okay, I, I didn't even, back then, I didn't know what a peacemaker was. Then after that, I saw the scriptures in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. And, and so when I saw that, I thought, okay. And, and then one day, Pastor Dord, I didn't know him very well at all at the time, but we we're just starting to get involved at Victory. And, and he said one day, he said, you're a peacemaker. Well, instantly, it just kind of jumped inside me like, oh, well, m- maybe that's what I am. I, I like being peaceful. How many of you like being peaceful? How many of you know somebody that you can be around that is not peaceful? You can endure them, but you just don't plan on going on vacation with them. It's just like, okay, I love you with the love of Jesus, but if you're going to Canada, 
I'm going to South America. Now, <laughs> now, it's not that we don't minister and love those people, but it's just like they probably don't bring out the best in us. Yet a peacemaker, a person of peace, is called by God to bring out the best in other people. We are all called to be peacemakers. Turn to your neighbor and tell you're called to be a peacemaker. doesn't matter how you've been raised. It doesn't matter what your influence is. Your calling is to be at peace with God. And I'm going to show you that scripturally in just a few moments. But this, this uh, I was just growing in the things of God out there. And one day I got a call from the pastor's secretary. And she said, Pastor Doherty would like for you to meet with this man. He's going through a horrible situation. And, and, and she didn't tell me what it was. And I said, well, sure. And so, so he came to meet with me and he walked in my office and I, I shook his hand, introduced myself. He introduced himself. He sat down. Now, I am telling you absolutely factual truth. This is exactly how it happened. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, don't you always do that? No, sometimes I can forget the details. These, I am absolutely sure. Sometimes I'll tell the story up here, and then I'll come off, and Pam will say, hey, honey, it wasn't exactly like that. This is how it happened. So then (laughs) next time I can get it right. Okay, this is exactly how it happened. This man sat in my office in a chair in front of my desk. I sat next to him on the other side of the, I mean, right next to him uh, there, and, and, and he starts talking, and he starts telling me all of this horror that's in his life. I mean, he, how, how many of you know that when you're around a person that's peaceful, there's just something about them that is soothing, and it flows out from them? Now, that's how Jesus was. I believe that's one of the reasons that Jesus attracted so many people. I believe he was a man of peace, and wherever he was, people didn't know it, but they were drawn to that peace within him. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have it if you know Jesus. Now, you may not be releasing it, but you have it in you. Only reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it doesn't have an outlet. If the Dead Sea had an outlet, it would be just like the Sea of Galilee. It would be just like the Jordan River. It would have life in it, but it's all dammed up. A lot of people have that peace in them, but they dammed it up instead of letting it flow out of them. And so I'm sitting there with this guy, and now for 45 minutes, he told me, all of the challenges in his life. He told me everything he had done wrong, everything that had been done wrong to him, how many mistakes he'd made, how he'd messed up his family, how he needed to restore his family, how he was going to do it. He went through that for 45 minutes. When he got finished, he looked at me and he said, I can't believe how much you have helped me. Now, I haven't said a word. I can't believe how much you have helped me. I just so appreciate what you have done for me. And he went on with all sorts of accolades. And I am trying to give all the glory to God and tell him that I didn't do anything, that it was really the peace of God that allowed him to open up and share his heart. It wasn't me. It was the spirit of the living God. And I believe it was the peace of God that set the tone for him 
to be able to open up. I believe the whole world's looking for a place of peace. You don't have to go somewhere to find it. And a lot of us have places like that that I know where God lives down on Longboat Key. And, and it's a little tree out there on the beach. But by the same token, he'll come with us wherever we go. And I'm just being uh, silly now. But, but God is always with us. Tell your neighbor, God is always with you. Now, let's look at what it says in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27. It'll be on the PowerPoint here on the screen. But it is such a powerful scripture because sometimes people say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is going through it with you. And you do not lose your peace You may suppress your peace, but that peace is inside you. And it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this is what Jesus is saying. I am giving David and Perpetua my peace so that they will not have to be troubled are worried, are anxious about anything. Will there ever be anything that could bring worry, anxiety, and fears against them? Yes, because Jesus told us. It's written what's going to happen in the world. But yet the peace of God is stronger than that. So then they and you and I can release God's peace in our spirit and not look at the circumstances and situations and how bad they are, but we can take the Word of God, which is the same thing that God spoke to Joshua, and said, Joshua, if you will meditate the Word of God day and night, you will have prosperity and good success. You will accomplish my plan. I'm ad li- not ad-libbing. I'm adding on a little to it. But basically, that's what all of that in Joshua chapter 1 says. It will, it will, you will accomplish everything I have called you to accomplish if you will meditate my Word. Think about this just for a moment. Joshua didn't have the Word of God on how to take Jericho. There was nothing in there about how to attack Jericho. But when he got there, God told him exactly what to do. That's what he focused on. He could have focused on all the obstacles of Jericho, but instead he focused on what God said. If you and I focus on what God said about every situation, not the obstacles that are there, there will always be obstacles. Turn to your initiative. There will always be obstacles. You know, when we started this church, uh, it just came to me in the first service. I hadn't really thought about sharing it, but uh, one of the biggest obstacles and challenges that I've ever faced in my life, and still to this day do, is to keep my peace when commitments are made that financially I know I can't back without God's hand moving. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Now, now you might say, well, why don't you just not make a commitment until you have all the money? Well, I would have never made any commitments. I've never, I've never, ever made a commitment doing something for God that I had the resources available to do it in the earth. 
in my heavenly bank account, I've had it. And you remember the story with the putt-putt golf tournament, and or not the putt-putt golf tournament, but before the golf tournament, we made a commitment to build a dorm for $12,000. We didn't have $12,000. As a matter of fact, we were struggling at the time just with the basics of everything, and we're, and we're reaching out for 12000 But then the 12000 became the fifty. And you've heard people share this before. Thank God for the 12000 because we would have never believed for the fifty. Thank God for the fifty because then we got the seventy. But when we started the church, we needed $700. It's either five or 700. Every time I tell that story, that's when I need my wife. It, it, but I think it was 700. <clears throat> but anyway, I'll correct it next week if I'm off by 200. But, but we needed $700, and I had to sign the paper to, to lease the thing, and we didn't have $700. But I had to sign it, but I didn't have to have the money up front. And I thought, okay, I, you know, we got 13 people that came to a meeting, and they want to be part of the church. Okay, you know, I got a heavenly bank account, but I'm thinking 13 people. Let's see, 13 into 700, that means we're going to charge you all. You know, I, know it does, I know it doesn't work that way, but it's the first church. So you have to be charged to come in so we can pay the first one. But anyway, I didn't want to do, but I told Sue. How many of you realize whether you sign a piece of paper or give your word, it should be the same. Amen. So I told Sue, I thought in my spirit, yeah, we're going to do it. So I said, Sue, yeah, okay, we'll sign it. And then I thought, oh, glory to God, what do I do? What do I do? And, and so we don't have $700. So as I prayed about it, I felt like we were supposed to meet with the person who was the president of the bank. It was in a basement. I don't know how many of you were there for that first service, but it was in the basement. And uh, and uh, we, uh, 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 we said, well, we're not going to meet in the basement. So we just changed the name, called it Lower Level. And, uh, and uh, so that worked for us. It worked for me. And uh, so anyway, we, we, we met with the president of the bank. And uh, as we're sitting there talking, the president, uh, Pam and I, and the president of the bank, and I told him what kind of church we're going to be in, and the charismatic, et cetera, et cetera. And said, I just want to make sure you're in agreement with everything. And I wasn't positive why I was meeting with him other than I felt like God said so. He said, okay, because Sue had told me, you don't need to meet with this guy. He's fine with it. And I said, no, I feel like I'm supposed to meet with him. So just about all the way through the meeting, I had gone ahead and signed the lease then. And he said, by the way, I want to help you guys out. He gave us a check for $700. (laughs) Handed me a check for $700. I'm sitting there thinking, God had this orchestrated all along. I wish I could tell you that more man of faith I was strong all the way through it. I wasn't. I wish I was. Now, I learned a lot from it. But, you know, it's like, oh, God, what can I do? I know we don't do this consciously, but it's like, God, what can I do to help you? Because I know you might mess this up. Now, none of us do that intentionally. I know. But that's exactly what we do. Okay, God said do this. I did that. Okay, now, uh, I I can't hear clearly today. This is Tuesday. I heard from you Monday, but Tuesday I'm not sure. So I know I probably need to help you because you're busy somewhere. No. (laughs) He's got it all under control. All we have to do is just like Dan said, what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? And then you just do it. And and so I watched that unfold, and I, and I watched how that did. And then, and then Pam said, we, we need a tape recorder uh, to record the messages. People want the messages. And I said, okay. I said, how much do they cost? Now, how many of you are, how much does it cost people? You, you know, now, now, you can even find a scripture. Count the cost. It's not talking about money, per se. It's not talking about money when it says count the cost. But, but, but I'm thinking, okay, cost, cost, cost. 
She said, well, why don't we just tell the people? And, 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 and I said, well, yeah, we can do that. So I, I got in agreement with Pam. We never did have to tell the people. Some lady came in. Sifa Ruska was in the first service. It was his grandmother. Sifa Ruska's grandmother came in and said, hey, why don't we record the services? And I said, well, we're looking into it. She said, why don't I just go out and buy a recorder? I said, well, we got, the, we got it in our archive. We got her name on there. Uh, I don't know why, because it doesn't work, but we still got her name on the recorder. But anyway, in a moment's time, we had the tape recorder at the time. Now, how many of you have a tendency to become a little uptight, and you wouldn't call it worry, but God would. You get a little worried and a little anxious because you're doing something that you don't know how to do or it's beyond your financial ability to do or you've never done it before. Can I see your hands? Now, the Word of God, thank you for the, your honesty. Now, the Word of God says all we have to do is be led by the Holy Ghost and that if we'll do what God showed us to do, He'll take care of the rest of us and that we don't have to be concerned or worried or anxious about anything ever, ever, but just let the peace of God rule in a body. And Colossians 3.15 says, let that peace rule. Now, let's look at what it really means whenever you see the word peace. It is such a powerful definition right out of the Greek here. It means quietness, rest, prosperity. To be peaceful, to live in a state of peace, a state of rest, Calmness, absence of strife, tranquility generally denotes perfect well-being, harmonious relationship with God. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds like something you ought to put on your refrigerator. Uh, Just total harmony with God. God, what are we going to do today? I remember... I know I've shared this a lot recently, but Pastor Stanley may be coming to America in October. We're not sure yet. But I remember when I was talking to Pastor Stanley, and I said, Stanley, this is quite some time ago now. What would you do with $50,000? He said, where are we going to get $50,000? I said, Stanley, I don't know, and I don't even know where that came from. It just came out of my mouth. But I said, I think it was from God. And then the rest all fell into place. Now, there was a point in time when we started to do that that I started to become a little uptight. You can use your own adjectives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just start, oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit emotionally charged here. Yet God said, no, you don't have to do that. And over in Matthew chapter 6, because we, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. Tell your neighbor, I'm a peacemaker. So if you're a peacemaker and the Word of God says, blessed are the peacemakers, then what are you? I am blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. And that everywhere we go, we bring a spirit of peace in us, flowing from us to other people. And uh, in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 6, I'm just going to paraphrase all of this, but it starts out in verse number 24, uh, 25, I think it is. Jesus said, don't worry about anything. 
don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about food. Uh, the lilies of the valley are, are, are taken care of, but you are so much more important than all of that. And, and, and then he ends it by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So if he says don't worry about anything, he probably means don't worry. All worry is a lack of peace. Tell your neighbor, all worry is a lack of peace. Now, the word worry is the same word and the same root as in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that says, cast every care upon the Lord because he first cares for you. That means worry, but the root of it is distraction. The word worry, meremno, the word worry suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. When you start to focus on the things that aren't going right, then you'll start to magnify those things. And your focus will be upon all of the trials and tribulations and problems and things that are going wrong. And if you're not careful, you will start to focus on 2 Timothy 3 and all the things he said was coming. Now, all those things are coming, but that's not our focus. Our focus is upon the victory we're walking in. Our focus is upon everywhere that we go. We have the ability to let the peace of God flow in that situation and actually change the spiritual climate. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, Lou, I shared this with the first service, but uh, John, John said that with John Beale uh, uh, up in heaven now. But he said that, he said that if, if everybody would live Philippians chapter 4, the world would be a better place. That's all we'd really have to do. And I said, John, you're absolutely right. He really got into reading Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> he read that a lot, Philippians chapter 4. But, but it says in Philippians chapter 4, it is so powerful because, <clears throat> as we said earlier, what you meditate on and what you constantly see and focus upon is going to be magnified in your vision, in your eyes, and in your mind. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to the Lord, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Peace from God is a guard. Guard your heart guard your mind. It gives you the ability to think like, act like God and God wants you to, and to do the things that God is showing you to do. And then he, he goes on in uh, verse number six, it says, uh, uh, verse number eight, rather, and, and it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, now that, that word is the root word for dynamite, dunamis. If there's anything powerful in it that is of God then and praiseworthy, then meditate on that. Otherwise, get rid of it. Now, you control your thought life. You can open it up to the things of the Spirit, or you can open it up to the things of the world. You open it up to the things of the world, you will be attracting all the tribulation of the world to you. Oh, my goodness, things are so bad. 
You know, I shared this at the first service. I don't have any problem with the Journal and Courier per se as a corporation, but I think the Journal and Courier newspaper is turning into a really uh, uh, down newspaper. It seems like one sensational negative story after another. If you want to read something bad, uh, kind of like of the National Enquirer, the more sensationally bad it is, it's on the front page, the back page, all the way through it, one whole section devoted to it. I remember the Journal and Courier used to be fairly uplifting local news. Now it's, I mean, if anything bad is going on, it's on the front page, back page, everywhere else. People tend, I, I don't know where this comes from spiritually necessarily, but People tend to like sensational things. Well, sensational can be applied to the Holy Spirit, too. It is absolutely awesome. It is a sensation that you will never regret having exposed yourself to. But sometimes the mind gets to become a habit-forming of uh, the habit of looking for bad things or reading sensational things that aren't good. And then when your mind starts to go that direction, you start to magnify it and you start to attract it. I heard Kenneth Copeland say this one day, and I believe it's absolutely true. There's a lot of bad going on in the world, and there's a lot of good going on in the world. You determine what you're going to focus on. And you'll attract it, and you'll magnify it. We don't ignore the bad. We know it's there, and we need to cover it. But we are going to be focusing on what does God want me to do. There has always been tribulation going on in the earth ever since the fall. There have always been problems. We are the problem solvers. We have the answer for the world. You call my voicemail, my, my uh, uh, telephone, the church phone here. When it finishes up, it says, and whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. Somebody asked me one day, said, how can you say that, whatever you need? I say it because I've experienced it. Whatever I'm facing, Jesus is the answer. Whatever I'm facing, he gave me the Holy Spirit. They had a tag match going on. He came down, defeated the devil, powers, principalities, tagged the Holy Spirit, went back, sat down with the Father and said, now you got the same power that I have. You walk with it. You command and you have your authority and dominion just like I have. That's what John 14, 12, 13, 14 says. You and I have God's peace and that everywhere we go, people... People may not come up to you and say, I want your peace, whatever you got. They may not even know what you got, but they know something. They know you're different. Let's stand to our feet. And God wants to use that difference to touch people everywhere that we go and set people free. There may be somebody out there today at a restaurant where you are. Don't be concerned about whether the food's cold or hot or fast or slow. Be concerned about the person who's serving you. What can you do to make their day better? How can you smile at them? How can you lead them to the Lord? How can you present yourself to them so that they want what you have and they don't even know what you have? They just know they want what you have. They wish they were like you. They wish they had your countenance. They can have your countenance through the same Holy Spirit that you have. Sometimes we just need to focus on people and what God wants us to do, not on what we have need of. It says in the book of Matthew that we read, chapter 6, you focus on seeking first the kingdom of God. Every need you have, everything you need will be met according to his riches and glory. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know without a doubt 
that if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus. If you don't know, that probably indicates your spirit man is not alive. Maybe you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe, maybe you have at one time, but you know that you're like that prodigal son, that prodigal child in the Bible. You've you've walked away from the things of God. You've drifted away. God loves you, but he wants you to come home. And all over this church, if if I've described you, you'd say, Pastor, you you describe me. I, I know my life is not right with God. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air because God loves you. And he wants you to open your heart to him. We're going to take just a moment and let the Holy Spirit move. Yes, I see your hand back there. Yeah, I saw it. That's hard. It's easy to do once you do it. But to get the hand up when you're in church, sometimes the enemy would love for you just to go out the way you came in. But we're going to wait just a moment. Yeah, see, I see that hand going up. See, the Holy Spirit is moving right now. And if you're here, and this is for you this moment right now, God will speak to you. Anyone else, you'd say, I know my life is not right with God, but I want it to be. We're going to wait just a moment. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. The conviction that you bring upon this earth to people is the love of God manifest. One more time. Anyone else, you'd say, pray for me. I need you to include me in that prayer. Ushers, help us with those two ladies. All the way back there in the back. Yeah, give them, give them a hand as they come. Come on down here, sweetheart. Yeah. Keep it up. Keep. When I saw you today and I came over there and shook your hand, I thought that this was going to be a day when your entire life was going to be turned around. Is this your first time at our church? It is. Glory to God. Let's give the Lord a hand. How are you, sweetheart? Stretch your hands out here toward them at this altar. It's hard to lift that hand, isn't it? I saw it going up. I'm not making light of it, but it was like it was slow motion, but I knew it was coming. God has a wonderful plan for your life and for your life. Everything you have ever been through, good, bad, or ugly. God will turn it around and strengthen you. Because when you were born into this earth, God brought you in with a plan and a purpose. And it hasn't changed a bit. Hasn't changed a bit. Stretch your hands out. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I believe 
Let's start all over again. Jesus, Jesus. I believe. I believe. Oh, I know you. I know why you stretch your hands out. You heard me say, stretch their hands out. You are very obedient. You're going to go far with God. I meant they're going to stretch their hands out toward you all, but you can stretch out anything you want. (laughs) Let's start all over. Jesus, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. And that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be everything that you have called me to be. I believe. There is a purpose for my life. And that as you reveal it to me, I will fulfill my God-given destiny. Let's give the Lord a hand. We thank God for each and every one of you. Thelma, come on down here. I want you to talk to Dr. Snugs for just a moment before you leave. How many of you, you would say... This message was for you today. This was for you today. Now, here's what we need to do. We need to speak with the Lord, talk to the Lord, and make sure that the peace that God himself had brought to us through his son Jesus lives and rests within us, is released, and that we realize I never have to live a moment of any day ever again without God's peace in my heart, in my mind. You believe that? Say amen to that. Let's say this now. I want you to make this confession. Lord, I repent of the times when I've let my peace go. I believe with all my heart that your peace is within me. I can release it And I can share it with others. I never have to be without it. If I will yield to it, I will always be at peace. I believe with all my heart that is your will that I be a peacemaker everywhere that I go. How many of you believe that's the will of God? Let's give the Lord a hand. Go.